Well, it's good to be back after uh, being gone for a couple Sundays on vacation. You know, my grandparents uh, homesteaded in Montana. My dad was born and raised there, and uh, it was his dream to leave a place for us to go, or his kids to go on vacation. So we have a place in Montana that we gather, and it was a great time together. Uh, it feels like home as much as anywhere else. But it's good to be back with you, um, and we look forward to this next year. I, uh, you know, one of the great gifts that I think that I've experienced in the Christian life is uh, Christian community. And uh, I was surprised by that. You know, I, I didn't know that there was these types of relationships until I, until I started going to a church in junior high school. You know, I wasn't raised in a church. And what really attracted me to that church and ultimately the Christian faith was um, this, this love that people shared with each other. I remember going to this church as a seventh grader and just observing the people and how they interacted with each other. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen this kind of love shared, this kind of relationship uh, shared among people. So I kept going, and I wasn't disappointed. It has been a great gift to have these deep friendships, these deep relationships, uh, this special thing that we call koinonia in the New Testament, this shared relationship of the Spirit in Christ between brothers and sisters in Christ and, you know, once I started going to that church and became a Christian, almost immediately I was put into a small group. And I remember this young seminarian uh, who came by our junior high. There were a number of us who were kind of in the same boat. And he picked us up in his car and we'd go and uh, have what we call the small group where we shared life with each other. Uh, and that has been a discipline that I have had in my Christian life for now, you know, 40, 50 years, I don't know how long it's been, um, is meeting with other Christians in a small group setting to share life together. Don um, has had the same experience, and it's just one of the most important things uh, in my Christian life. And so what we're doing in September is launching a small group ministry, and we want to invite all of you to get involved. We're going to meet at the church, we hope, uh, for dinner and then break up into small groups. We'll tell you more about it later. But what we're going to do over these next four weeks is take a look at Christian community and what it really means. Uh, and what are the characteristics of Christian community? How do we share uh, community together? And really, i got to be honest with you, I'm trying to sell the vision. <laughs> I hope that uh, many of you will sign up for this six-week small group experience in that it will become really uh, the way that we experience community together here at uh, Piedmont Community Church. So we'll start looking at that, and today we're going to look at it by looking at a great story from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And let me read that to you now. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such, such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. 
Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man or the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Will you please join me in prayer? God, we thank you uh, for the gift that you have given to us in Christian community. We pray that over these next four weeks that you will speak a very clear word to us about what it means to be uh, in Christ, to have brothers and sisters uh, in Christ who can love us and walk with us, who we can love and walk with through uh, all of life, challenging each other, encouraging each other, helping one another grow in your likeness. So God, we pray that you would speak to us uh, during these four weeks, teach us, especially today we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak a clear word to us about what it means uh, to be in the community that you have given to us. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. You know, my brother-in-law is a jazz critic. It's a great job. He goes and listens to concerts and reviews CDs and, uh, you know, other whatever it is now that the form of music that we listen to. And so he gets freebies, and one of the freebies he often gets, in fact, every year, are tickets to the Monterey Jazz Festival. So we went, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, three years ago, to this festival, and it was a great time. If you've never been, you should go. It's, I think it's sometime in September. Uh, and one of the highlights of the weekend that we went for that jazz festival was a tribute tour to Bill Withers, that great rhythm and blues kind of soul musician uh, from the 60s and 70s. A young musician named Jose James, who was fabulous, uh, played and sang his songs and gave tribute to this, this great artist. He is one of my favorite artists. Uh, in fact, just the two of us, one of his songs, was the first dance at our wedding. But that's not his greatest song. His greatest song is uh, one that we all know. And at this concert, 
Jose James sang a couple songs, and we were all waiting, the 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in this venue, the largest venue uh, at the fairgrounds, were waiting for this song to play. And when he started playing it, almost immediately, in fact, it was immediately, all, the whole crowd started singing, and they all knew the words. I'm going to take a risk today. I'm going to sing this song. <laughs> and you're going to help me. <laughs> Here it was. You know, as soon as those, those uh, familiar chords started playing. You keep going. Sometime in our lives, we all have pain. Come on, you know it. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Okay, I'll stop there. Spare you the rest. <laughs> is, that, is that a first at uh, Piedmont Community Church? Good, let's celebrate that first. Great song. And why did you know the words? And why did the people at the, the Monterey Jazz Festival all know the words? And as I looked around, I saw people wiping tears from their eyes as they sang this song. And I even asked my daughter, who is a millennial, do you know the words to this song? Do your friends know it? She said, oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody knows this song. Why? What is it about this song that has uh, made it the number 208th best pop song on Rolling Stone's greatest pop songs list? Now you think 208, well that's not so good. Well think of the hundreds of thousands <laughs> of some pretty bad songs, right? That uh, have been written and played on, on AM radio. But why? What is, what is it about this song? Well, I, I think it's an easy question. Because these words are true. Aren't they? We will all have pain. We will all have sorrow. We will all perhaps experience loneliness in life. 
And when we experience those things, we need, we want people in our lives, don't we? Mat carriers, maybe, to help us carry through. We all need somebody to lean on. And you know what? This song also points to a theological truth, very important theological truth, that God has created us this way. It's not just by chance, but that God has created us to be with other people, to not go through life alone. We have been created for relationships. So clear. You know, a lawyer once came to Jesus. We have a lot of lawyers. I've never had a congregation with so many lawyers as this one. (laughs) I'm just amazed. Every time I meet somebody, it seems they're a lawyer or a judge or something. But a lawyer came to Jesus one time, and he said to Jesus, where do I find abundant life? You know, lawyers ask great questions. Great question. Very important question. Where do I find abundant life? I think it's very interesting what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, you know, you'll find abundant life when you have, when you amass all kinds of material possessions. You'll find abundant life when you have a beautiful house or two or three or four or five. You'll have abundant life when you have letters after your name. Or you gain great prestige or success or power, financial security. He didn't say any of those things. You know what he said? He made it very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul and strength. And then something very important, just as important. And love your neighbor as yourself. So clear. Seems to Jesus that the key to abundant life is relationship. So clear. Jesus said this himself again, right before in the upper room, right before his crucifixion, when he's talking with his disciples, telling them, really, I think, the salient points of what he wanted them to know as they went through this together. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know that you are my disciple, my follower, if you love one another. And Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, you know, he he gives an example that really ties into this servant, this sermon today and this passage. This is what love looks like. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Boy, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. Right at the center of God's will for your life is that you have people friends, brothers and sisters in Christ who will love, who will be mat carriers 
for you during the difficult and good times of life and that you will love them in the same way. You know, sometimes we struggle with the will of God. It's pretty clear, really. The heart of it is right here, what Jesus said. Now, this passage today, wow, there are a lot of sermons. I probably have four or five sermons on this passage that go in different directions because it's a very rich story. It's a story of grace. Jesus extends the grace of God to a man who had known a lot of rejection, especially from God in his life. So it's a story, this beautiful story of forgiveness and a completely new life for this man. It's a story, oh, if you want to know what risky faith looks like, here's a great picture of risky faith. I love the way his friends uh, think outside the box and they go to great lengths. They go against the grain to get their friend in front of Jesus to be healed. I mean, taking the tiles off somebody's roof and then lowering your friend down by rope right in front of a that's pretty risky, isn't it? That's thinking outside the box. I love this. They risked embarrassment. They risked failure. All kinds of things. It's a great picture of faith. It's a story really about the authority of Jesus Christ, his power to give new life and to heal and to forgive, which got him in trouble with the religious people. But here's the direction I want to go today. I want to focus on the amazing friendship on display in this story. I want to focus on what kind of relationships Jesus calls us to as believers. What do they look like? And why do I do this? And why are we emphasizing these small groups? Is, you know, we are, we are still, unfortunately, in the midst of this pandemic. And I think for many people, what this pandemic has brought up in their lives is as they evaluate their lives, and I hope we are all evaluating our lives, because this is a big deal. Do you have friendships like these? Do you have people in your lives who love you, who share life with you, who will carry you, carry the burdens of your life when you can't do it on your own? And do you love people in the same way? You know, the title of the sermon is 2 a.m. Friends. I have a friend who was pastor at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Uh, if you ever go to New York, you've got to go there. It's kind of the cathedral of the Presbyterian Church. And you know how they have boards out in front which give the title of the sermon? Well, his sermon title was, Who Can You Call at 2 a.m.? And then underneath it, it said, Reverend Dr. Thomas Toole. <laughs> he didn't mean call him at 2 a.m. <laughs> but this is where I got this term, 2 a.m. friends, and you're going to hear a lot. Because my dream, my hope for this church is that everyone will have a 2 a.m. friend. You know what I mean by that? You're in bed, you get a call. 
And none of us want to get a call at 2 a.m., right? Usually not good news. You get a call and some tragedy has happened. And this happens. Do you have friends who you can call and they'll say to you right away, I'll be right over. You know, let me give you another picture of that. We were in a small group, my wife and I, in our church in Chico, and we were meeting with this group of people. We shared life together. Their team, one of the couples of the church, their daughter came down with cancer or sarcoma. Within 30 minutes of getting that news, our entire small group was at their house. And you know, those are the situations, we call it ministry of presence. You don't say a whole lot, you just are present. And they knew they were not alone. Good news is I married that, well, officiated the marriage of that young woman about a month ago. Do you have 2 a.m. friends? You see, this is what I often ask people. When they're going through a hard time and they come in for counseling or want to talk to a pastor, I'll say, Who, who's your community? Who's supporting you through this time? Do you have people who will walk with you through this time? Because I believe God calls us to have those kind of friends. So here's what I want to do. What are some characteristics of Christian, Christian community, of these relationships that we can learn from this passage? Well, first of all, I would say, we need to be intentional. We need to be committed in these relationships. In our story today, these guys were committed, were they not? They cleared their schedules <laughs> to go and help this, this friend. They made time. They were intentional. You know, today especially, we need to make relationships a priority. We need to make space. You know, our lives are kind of like a, a piece of paper with no margins. It's just, you know, everything's full. Now, some of you who are retired, you're even, your pages are even more full, aren't they? <laughs> we have no margin. We have no space for people. You know, I was away from, I, I lived in the Bay Area for 13 years and then was away for about 20 and came back a couple years ago. And you know what I noticed? Life was faster. There were more people on the freeway. Parking was harder to find. But especially the pace of life and the busyness of people was so apparent compared to where I had been living. That pace of life does not accommodate community like this. In fact, I would say that busyness is the primary barrier to us experiencing these deep relationships. Relationships take time, intentionality, persistence, commitment. Second characteristic I see, mat carriers know who we are. They know and love the real person, not the pretended person. They know our weaknesses as well as our strengths. They love us like Jesus loves us. The guy in the mat, you know what's interesting about this guy? His brokenness. It's very apparent, isn't it? And in that time, I'm sure you know this, he was an outsider. 
He was marginalized. He was considered a sinner because at that time, the theology said, if you had some kind of ailment like this, it was because of sin in your life or even the sin of your parents. And God was punishing you for sin. Thank God that's not our theology today. But this is what this guy had lived life, lived like for probably most of his life, that he was somehow outside of the scope of God's love. I often wish somehow we could go back to the people in these stories and interview them and ask these four guys, why did you love this guy? Was he a friend? Was he a cousin? Because you know what? They derived, as far as I can tell, no benefits from loving this guy. Certainly their social standing was not raised. It was lowered because of their relationship with this guy. But they loved him. Brokenness, warts, and all. I read a great book one time that said, the title was, now I can't remember the title. (laughs) Everyone's weird once you get to know them, something like that. We're all weird. We all have warts. But we need to be loved for who we are. And see, this guy was loved, warts and all. I had a friend one time who preached a sermon on the healing of a leper, and he said, you know, at the end of his sermon, we're all lepers. We hide it with nice clothes and, you know, good haircuts and all our success. But we're all broken people who need to be loved for who we are. Not in some pretended way. In this book, it was called The Fellowship of the Mat. (laughs) We all have a mat. Third thing, stretcher bearers are friends who carry our burdens. You know, I think in some ways what our culture tells us is don't get involved, too involved with people. Avoid pain, seek comfort, don't let down your guard, don't show weakness, don't get too involved with others' problems. I don't think that's what Jesus is telling us. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And again, Paul said, carry one another's burdens, share in them. When we're called to God's kingdom, we're called to a different kind of relationship. We're called to weep with people. We're called to mourn. You know, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for the pain of the world. We're called to carry others' burdens. We're called to sacrifice. There's a depth of relationship that maybe you don't find too much in this world today. All of us are called to do this. Not just pastors, not professional Christians, not just therapists, not just deacons, all of us. The church. We're called to love each other like this. Man, one of the most profound experiences of my life was I had an associate pastor who was 38 years old and was diagnosed with 
with colon cancer. Three kids, great wife, great marriage, great family, great pastor. I mean, really, great loss. You know, he eventually died after six years of over 100 rounds of chemo. Keeping him alive, he, he really went through it for his kids. I remember going over to his house, and, you know, here was the, especially the last part of his life. His life was this, chemo, a week of hell, a week of pretty good life, chemo, a week of hell, a week of pretty good life, and that's how it was. I went over, I remember just being with him, lying down in his bed next to him, talking, praying, walking with him through this horrible journey. Now, some of you have done that with others. I can look out here, and in just my short time, I know some of you have done that with other people in this congregation, and you know what I'm talking about. God calls us to sacrificial love. And you know, sometimes part of carrying another's burden is having faith for the person when they don't have faith for themselves. Sometimes in the midst of pain, we get so beat down, we get so discouraged, we lack faith, and we can no longer see possibilities for our lives, and we've given up hope. And you know what? We need people like this to come alongside and have faith for us. You know, I've often wondered about this guy on this mat. Was he a willing participant in this thing? We don't know that. He may have been saying, oh, you guys, no, 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 I don't want to, no, no, don't lower me through, no, 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 no. And they just ignored him. They had faith. And in, in fact, the passage tells us when Jesus saw what? Not his faith, but their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he healed him. You know, sometimes in difficult times. We need people who have faith for us, who see possibilities, who can still speak hope into our lives. Enter into our pain and suffering. Fourth thing is, the last thing, stretcher bearers take us to the feet of Jesus. You know, it's beautiful. There's a beautiful picture of these friends taking people and laying them down right at the faith right at the place where he can receive grace and love. And this is what happens. The love of God breaks into this man's life in a powerful way. Now remember what I told you, most likely, up until this point, this guy thought God was angry with him and God was punishing him and thought that he was outside the reach of God's love. Can you imagine living like that? And really, this is the best news of this passage, is God's love breaks in. God's grace breaks in. My friend, your sins are forgiven. God loves you. I love um, one verse that I did not sing, thankfully. On Withers' song, he says, Please swallow your pride. Do I have faith you need to borrow or things you need to borrow? For no one can 
uh, fill those needs that you don't let show. Do you have people who you can call at 2 a.m.? Do you have people in your life who can love you like this? I think that's God's will for all of us and for Piedmont Community Church. Amen? God, we thank you for this very simple message, and yet this very powerful message, for this reminder that you have called us to relationship and called us to love and called us to live life maybe in a little different way than those around us. God, I pray for anyone here today that has felt your spirit tug on their heart as I've preached and as we've explored this passage. I pray that uh, they may be moved to action and may be more intentional about their relationships and about loving in the way that you have called us to love. And God, I pray for us in this year ahead that you would deepen our community. And I know some have, have really experienced great community here, but others have not. So I pray that you would deepen our love, that you would deepen our bonds, strengthen our bonds, that we could experience this great gift that you have given us in Christian community. We ask all these things with great confidence in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.